This is the Family Man Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm the family man that loves all things tactical. We're coming to you every week with episodes for gun owners, those interested in self-defense and concealed carry, and, of course, all you tactical gear junkies. If you're a family protector, you're in good company. Come on in, pull up a seat, and let's have some fun. Hey, so welcome back to this week's episode, Four Keys to Surviving a Street Fight. Uh, So this is going to be a fun little topic, uh, one that shouldn't be too long, but is really important for the family protector because, well, hey, you know, you don't go looking for trouble, but sometimes like a magnet, uh, trouble finds you. And you always want to be prepared. And I think this is an important topic because uh, I've, I've seen a lot of family protectors out there, which is folks in general, right, uh, think that maybe because they carry a gun or because um, they took um, a martial arts, um, you know, stint or, or study 10 years ago, that they're just set, you know, they're protected. And while that's good, you know, um, definitely awesome, uh, there's there's a conceptual approach to um, staying alive in a street fight, staying conscious, um, staying protected. And I think it'll benefit the overall picture of uh, folks that want to stay better protected um, against any myriad of threats, right? Um, so that's that's why I wanted to do this one real quick. And, uh, you know, I'm very careful in how I present myself because, again, I've set up front since day one. I'm just a normal guy, you know, um, and I don't have any stellar background, although I've trained with lots of people that do, you know, those credentials don't get transferred by osmosis, right? So just understand that I'm keeping this in a very humble um, perspective, um, but I do have some real world experience um, in, the, in the school of hard knocks. Um, and I will tell you about that stuff. And you can put that in the, the context that you want, um, but some of this stuff I do speak from actual experience, and um, that's why I have my, my viewpoint. Now, what I did is I took my experience and I matched it up with those that used to go into harm's way for a living, and that's where I've created this perspective or discovered this perspective. Um, but again, it, this is not unique to me. There's uh, lots of great self-defense trainers and gurus out there that really know their stuff and will have the same um, very similar outlook on staying alive, staying conscious in a street fight. So four keys to, to surviving a street fight. And uh, my my quick apology before we jump into this Um by the time you get this, by the time you're listening to this, I'll be back back home. But I'm in uh, Dallas, Texas, traveling for my normal job, and so I'm uh, I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> I've been on my job site for uh, hours on end. But uh, what are you going to do? You're not going to sit in a hotel room. So after getting some awesome barbecue and walking around a bit, um, it's time to do a podcast. So let's get at it, right? Okay. So I mentioned I do have some real-world experience in, uh, I don't even know if you want to call it the genre of street fighting, okay, because I'm not a street fighter, but I've had, unfortunately, 
quite a few altercations um, in the last 20 years, I guess. And one of them was because of what I was doing um, when I was working through school. Um, what I was doing was uh, changing uh, people's access to either their homes or buildings. And a lot of times that happens after a messy divorce, a breakup, uh, somebody gets fired. You know, anytime you're changing the control of access to a house, that can get into a sticky situation. Um, and, and those were, you know, because I represented a business, right? And uh, those were interesting specifically because, you know, I just wanted to get in and get my job done. Um, there was a couple times that um, I could tell I was about to be robbed uh, late at night, uh, changing access um, to cars or, or whatever, you know, and, and uh, how I handled those were great and um, kept me from being a statistic. At that time in my life, I wasn't uh, as trained as I am now. Um, in the self-defense mindset and um, I had just started dating my wife so I can't even really say I even had a family of my own yet um, although I was trying to uh, trying to win the heart of my wife and I did <laughs> eventually so um, there was there was those and a lot of high stress situations um, you know you, you really think twice um, how you're handling yourself in, in those kind of situations because, again, you're trying to make money and get a job done. You're not trying to go to the movies and, and all of a sudden you're accosted by a bunch of thugs. It's a different mindset. And uh, I'm sorry if you're hearing uh, background noise here. It's uh, the hotel I'm in, apparently. Um, but, uh, you know, and then again, I had some altercations uh, growing up um, in, my, in my 20s and Gosh, I think even a situation or two in my 30s um, in that, you know, when you're out and about having fun with a group of people and you're out at a, a bar or something like that, um, people do stupid things, right? And so I've been in a number of those situations. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I, I do tell about this. There's a time in my life when uh, I was caught in the wrong place at the wrong time in a very dangerous city. Um, I was trying to help out a elderly family member um, build a privacy fence on my way back. Um, you know, I was costed by some thugs and uh, had a gun in my face. So, you know, point being is I'm, I'm no uh, Superman or, or, you know, ninja or whatever, but I have had to deal with um, high stress situations, um, some, in, some involving weapons, uh, some just, you know, fist shots to the face, right? Um, so when I talk about this stuff, I really am talking about what I know, my perspective here. And then again, I'm balancing it off of what do other folks that do this for a living, you know, train self-defense for a living, what do they say? And what I'm trying to do again is give you, the family protector, um, just a, a peer evaluation that says, hey man, this is how I see it. This is what you need to focus on. Now, I know at this point, we're already seven minutes into this podcast. You're saying, out with it, Chris. Get to it. Let me know. Lay it on me, brother. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. Okay. So the first concept, I think, is the most important, and I don't want to eye roll out of you folks, <laughs> is the concept of awareness. 
And I'm not talking about the simple, oh, I see people around me. Um, you know, this person gives me bad vibes and whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, well, it is what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about a concept deeper than that, right? And did I just found this out. They did a study in the 70s on quote-unquote bad vibes, and they found out that um, bad vibes are a brain's recognition of someone's nonverbals not matching what they're intending uh, themselves or trying to purport themselves to be. There's a conflict between their nonverbals and what they're saying or what they're doing. And um, I found that very interesting. We always look at it like, you know, bad vibes are energy or something that we're energy waves we're picking up on. No, your brain is a very smart calculator and it's reading something saying, hey, these nonverbals are sketchy and your brain doesn't say, and here's why. No, it just sends a, a message to you that says, hey, warning, this person is making me feel uncomfortable. So I think that's interesting. But so awareness, we're talking about um, awareness as far as, yes, get your phone tucked in your pocket. Keep your head up when you're walking around. Um, I watch a lot of <clears throat> younger folks, you know, with their head cranked. It's not good for your neck anyway. Their head cranked down, their phone up, you know, and they're just they're just praying for somebody to come and play the knockout game um, and knock them out. <clears throat> so there's that, um, you know how many people a year are killed just from walking out into traffic or something. So that's that's something there. Um, the other thing about awareness is being aware of, you know, what type of predators and thugs and all these sorts of people are out there. And that is more or less doing your homework, having the awareness before you ever step out into the street. There's an excellent book, and I'm going to jump ahead of myself and steal my thunder. Um, it's it's by Rory Miller. It's called Facing Violence. Now, not everything in that book I, I endorse, okay? But Rory Miller um, put out some excellent information on the type of bad people that you're going to run into, okay? Um, there's, there's definitely the Buffalo Bill types, right? The serial killers. Those are predators, right? And then there's another type of predator um, that wants your things. And the way that they're categorized is uh, a process predator is somebody that enjoys the process of bringing pain and attack to somebody. And that's why they're driven by that. Then there's the resource predator that wants what you have, um, whether that be access to your body, um, you know, things that you have, um, something like that, right? Process predator, resource predator. I could, I could make the argument that a rapist is both a process predator and a resource predator. Um, but you know, that's, you get the point. Those type of predatory attacks, there's also folks out there that are going to attack you based on ego, protection of their ego, because if their ego is damaged or tarnished in, in the least little way, they're going to fight. And sometimes to the death because they're that insecure and they're that wounded. And that's why a lot of, you know, look at, look at road rage incidents. It's all over ego. How dare you cut me off? 
And then how dare you flip me the bird? Do you know who I am and how important I am, right? And then of course, there's folks that, you know, do something wrong. And this kind of is, is along the, the lines of um, some of the reasons why road rages happen um, as far as an educational beatdown. Um, that, that's one that maybe you went into the wrong neighborhood and said the wrong thing, right? You can find yourself getting the ever-loving stuff stomped out of you because you're getting an education from the quote-unquote bad guy that you ticked off. Same thing goes with, um, you know, some some road rage. There's nothing you can say in some road rage incidents because they're so mad that you maybe made a mistake on the road that they're going to teach you a lesson. And then, of course, um, a status-seeking show. Uh, Rory Miller goes into talking about um, those that are trying to draw attention to themselves by by beating up on um, someone. Right, they're they're trying to show their power off to another audience. You're more of an object, right? Um, a tool being used uh, for their fame and uh, and whatever. So you could think of uh, maybe a gang initiation, etc. Those kind of things. But the point being is um, awareness about not only literally what's going on in front of you, around you, in your environment. Um, before you even step out the door, but the types of bad guys that you might run into and their motives. Because if you put some thought into this and you study it, you might be able to recognize this behavior before, you know, or or characteristics of these behaviors before you even make eye contact with this person. You might have five seconds before you're able to say, you know what, I am getting that bad vibe. I don't care why I'm getting that bad vibe. I'm just going to go the other way. And it turns out three months later, you see Buffalo Bill on the five o'clock news and uh, you're thanking uh, thanking the Lord that you made the, the decision to walk the other way or not get in their van. <laughs> okay, but I, you get my point. Um, so definitely awareness. Um you know, there's there's some folks that um, don't realize how important the ability to recognize when you can de-escalate a situation. Again, there are some situations where if you try to talk your way out of it, out of an altercation, that's going to be perceived as weakness, right? And that's only going to incense a bad guy, right? Versus the three out of four times when you can just you know, somebody's walking around with a chip on their shoulder and instead of being a jerk, maybe it wasn't even your fault that y'all bumped into each other, but you did. And you say, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Are you okay? Hey, you have a great day. Okay, versus watch where you're going, buddy. Yeah, you're tough, but right now you could be getting yourself into a, into a fist fight, right? And if you got kids and your wife, even if you don't have kids and wife around, why... What's, what's the point, right? If you can handle yourself, you can handle yourself. You don't need this guy to prove it. And I know probably the type of audience that listens to this podcast doesn't have to worry about um, getting themselves into needless fights. I'm just saying I've watched so many people um, just be unwilling and unable to let that ego go. So awareness in general, awareness of yourself, your surroundings, and the type of bad people that you're going to run into. The, the second 
uh, one here is an important thing, um, the ability to flip the switch. What do I mean by flip the switch? Flip the switch is, and I'm not talking going into berserker mode, although that can be part of it. I'm talking about making the decision that I'm fighting now. There's a, there's a time and place to sit there and say, I'll take the exit if I have an exit out of a bad situation, but I'm fighting now. And when you say now, you flip that switch and you go into destroyer mode, right? And it doesn't mean that you go psycho. It doesn't mean that you lose your, lose your marbles and scream and start frothing at the mouth. But what it means is, you know, you're operating now. You're breaking legs and arms and um, putting people in the pavement and all that kind of stuff. And this is my least favorite item because I know with myself and previous experiences, um, when I flip the switch, the, the, you know, the times where I've had to flip the switch and I've not, I've gone from, okay, I can't de-escalate this situation and I don't have a good escape where I'm not leaving people I love in a, in peril, right? And you decide to flip the switch. I personally don't care for that feeling. Now, as a family protector, my feelings are kind of irrelevant <laughs> when it comes to protecting. I have a job to do. I don't like doing that. Right, but when you flip the switch, it's time to operate, right? And the ability to do that. Now, for somebody that's never been in a fist fight before, that's kind of hard. It's like saying, you know, to a to a ten year old, uh, go drive that car up to the 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 supermarket and back, um, and bring me some eggs. Well, they know how to get the eggs from the grocery store. That's fine. They, they understand that people drive to and from places and come back. Right. Um, but the actual operation itself is foreign to them in the same way for somebody that's never been in a fight, a fist fight, um, a serious one, right. As an adult, that's, that's kind of hard because they're going to be second guessing themselves. And the only advice I can give is, to get very, very comfortable in a martial art. Get very, very comfortable um, in force-on-force -force training with firearms. And there's a way to do that with simunitions and um, high-end teachers and, and all that sort of, sort of stuff. You can do all those things. Um, you can do scenario-based self-defense training with groups of folks. Um, that really kind of help you test your limits and get you comfortable in thinking in the mindset of flipping the switch, right? Um, and and I don't want to turn this into an hour-long podcast because I'm already at like 20 minutes here, right? But the point being is you can, I want you to walk away with this. If you've never been in a street fight before, if you've never been in a serious fist fight um, as an adult, there are ways you can train to get you more comfortable operating in that zone so that when it comes time, you can flip your switch. And the most important thing about that, keep your emotions in check. Emotional control. And that's why I said not losing your marbles and being frothing at the mouth because that's what gets people to do stupid stuff and bob when they should have weaved and catch a knockout punch. And unfortunately, it's not just about us. We catch a knockout punch in the street. A lot of times I have my, my family with me. You know, I can choose to run. 
They can't outrun me, right? And they're always going to be left in the dust, so I can't leave. My limiting factor is how fast my family can move out of a situation. And if I go unconscious, oh, man, that scares me. That's, that's my biggest fear is me not being conscious uh, to protect them right so that all goes back to how you flip the switch you flip the switch and keep that emotional control and again good martial arts training that forces you outside of your comfort zone um, get you stressed get some inoculation going that will help it has for me and because I have experienced those things and I have done training like that I can say that I am even more comfortable and in control flipping the switch now than I was when I was younger and and experienced some of these altercations, these experiences for the first time. Um, and, and I guess that comes down to wisdom and, and um, good teachers and training and trying to avoid trouble, but being willing to be a good family protector. The third item here, having a good base in MMA. And as far as mixed martial arts go, look, I'm, I'm a practitioner of contemporary JKD. And I say contemporary because, you know, hard style, we want to keep uh, Bruce Lee's uh, art pure is not for me. I want it applicable to street fighting. And it looks um, very close to what you're going to watch um, in, in uh, a Friday Night MMA Fight. You know, having a good tie boxing base, having good clinch and uh, trapping range skills, because clinch and trapping range are in fact a range, not a not a technique, right? And then um, having a good Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, ground game. Now I'm working on the latter, right? I'm working on a good ground game. I, I've I've got a good personal friend that I bounce a lot of ideas off of and stuff, but I'm not training as much as I want to. Um, I'm not rolling as much as I want to. So that's something I really got to work on. But those three things, tie boxing, uh, clinch, and BJJ, if you can work those three skills, it kind of covers the the empty hand um, world, right? And of course, having a good skill set uh, with edged and blunt weapons, that's always something good because it, it really works your attributes in kicking and punching range as well as trapping um, but god forbid you ever have to get an equalizer and pick up a club or an you know a tire iron or something like that the filipinos know how to work the edged and blunt weapons better than anybody um, that's available for us i know the african arts um, are, are very good with a knife um, i've experienced a little bit of that training but that's not as readily available filipino martial arts are readily available you can go take online courses and have um, have a virtual dojo and and work with folks um, and, and go through that stuff but you can also go and take in-person classes which I highly recommend over virtual um, and, and the whole idea here is if you don't have a good base spread across um, stand-up ground and weapons to quote one of um, the, the guys that influenced me greatly is you're gambling. You're gambling. If you're only into Thai boxing, you're gambling that the person that you're going up against didn't spend five years in a federal prison um, excelling at ground fighting. That's what you're gambling. 
when you get into a fight with somebody. If you're a, if you're a BJJ practitioner, you go into that fight and there's three guys that you're fighting, but you never trained mass attack. You've never trained fighting three guys at once. And, and while it's not ideal, there are ways to do it. And if you go to the ground with multiple attackers, oof, I wouldn't want to do it. Let's say that. Maybe maybe one of the Gracies can, can handle it. I cannot. Okay, there's ways. So being well-rounded is, well is all I'm talking about. And everybody that's worth their, their weight, I think, um, on the street who is... You know, let's just pick on uh, BJJ. Anybody who's who's got that skill set on the ground, just lethal on the ground, also sees the need to be lethal on your feet, be lethal with a firearm, etc. So that's all I'm saying is be well-rounded, okay? The fourth one, last one here, asymmetric violence. Okay, what is asymmetric violence? Asymmetric warfare is war between belligerents, whose relative military power differ, uh, differs significantly or whose strategy or tactics differ significantly. Now, that's, that's a book definition, right? But let's apply that concept to fighting. Males in America try to stand toe-to-toe and slug it out with each other. They, they stand way too close to each other and just eat punches and throw punches. And the first rock'em sock'em that falls down um, is the loser, right? I don't subscribe to that method of self-defense. Asymmetric violence is seeing that coming and fighting in a different way. Sometimes... You know, it's it's a matter of if your life's in danger. I mean, there's some some legal precedent here, but that's why we use firearms. That's why we arm women um, with firearms. I'm a huge proponent of women being armed and carrying a firearm, specifically because of asymmetrical violence and its its ability to change the playing field. You know, you're you're never going to convince me that. Um, a 110 pound woman against a 320 pound psychopath male is going to stand a chance. Yes, I understand there's, there's some anomalies. Okay. And that's okay. That's cool. Praise God for that. But the reality is a firearm that a woman can get to, can fight to her firearm, um, changes the game. She's, She's not the same kind of target for human trafficking, for sexual violence, for anything that she was before. Okay, that's asymmetrical violence, right? And again, there's some legal considerations that come along with asymmetrical violence, but also um, in hand-to-hand fighting, there's asymmetrical violence. And that doesn't change the need for having a good base in martial arts, but when there's certain uh, dirty fighting uh, techniques put together in combination with properly executed um, ground game tactics, um, tie boxing, and trapping and clinch. Now it takes this whole nother nuclear option and puts that on the table for um, the person practicing self-defense. So when I say asymmetrical violence, I don't want to get wrapped around the axle too much, but just think 
being able to pull out um, the ace, the ace card, and, and putting that on the table. That's what that's what asymmetrical violence is about. Because again, if, as a family protector, if we're turning around going, there's trouble coming. Oh, oh, I'm behind the curve, and now I can't get out of this situation. When you do flip that switch, when you have recognized what's going on, see all these things start to play together, all these concepts, you've recognized what's going on. You know, you've, uh, you've flipped the switch. You've already been trained, okay? You're going into operation mode, and now you're finding yourself, your life's in danger because you're being attacked by four or five people at the same time. But what they don't know is that not only are you afraid in your life, uh, afraid for your life, um, so you're covered legally um, against against uh, you know fear of uh, great bodily harm or death. But you also brought a gun that you train with religiously, and now all of a sudden asymmetric violence comes in, and um, you've turned the tables of this altercation, right? So I don't think that a gun is always the answer. Um, I think it's a, a a uh, good way to land yourself in jail if that's your first go-to option, right? First go-to option is always de-escalate and get out. I just say the first the first item is get out. Second item is de-escalate if you can, you know, and then the and then all the follow-on items there. So asymmetric violence. Um, you know, think about think about a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner that is able to hold you in such a way that you can't get away and then decides to attack your soft tissue targets relentlessly. They can do it with impunity. Can you imagine that? So there's that's that's what asymmetric violence is about, making sure that um, that, that individual who's attacking you, um, when you do release them, they're either incapacitated or they're going the other way because what they just experienced was hell on earth, right? So, okay, those four things. Um, awareness and like a deep awareness of what's going on. Yourself, others around you, the environment, predators, um, being able to flip the switch and understanding that being able to do that is not just I'm going to meditate it into my brain. You, you've got to train, Right. And, and get used to feeling that adrenaline rush. I hate it. I don't like it. I'm out with my family. I'm doing something that I'm focused on. I don't go looking for trouble. And all of a sudden now this adrenaline rush comes because you've got this situation, but you got to flip that switch. you got to deal with it, right? And um, training is the way to get more comfortable to be able to flip the switch when you need to, when people are depending on you to keep them safe. Having a good base. Again, these are not quick fixes. Takes time to get these things uh, done, right? But again, if you don't do these things, you're gambling. You're gambling with your life, other people's life, um, and then understanding concepts of asymmetric violence. When did when to use the nuclear option, right? So, man, I was thinking this was only going to be a 15 minute uh, chat, but I'm already at a half an hour. I'm having a tough time keeping these podcasts short because I feel very passionate about the topic, uh, the topics. I'm picking topics that I want to talk about that I think are so very important to to family protectors. And 
I have a love in my heart for family protectors, men and women. Doesn't matter, you know. Um, and this is not just for men. You know, I understand there's single mothers out there. There's mothers out there that see the need to protect, and unfortunately, maybe their husband doesn't. So this is not just for men. Um, if you, if your family protector, if you're a mama bear, you know, and my my passion for your success and safety is just as as much as it is for um, maybe the men uh, listening to this uh, this channel. You know, our world's getting uh, it seems like anyway, our, our world's getting a lot more dangerous. Um, but really. What it is, is is our leaders of our country have just gone the last year and a half allowing folks to be anarchists and, and cause pain and, and, and riot and loot and, and all sorts of stuff. They're not protecting our, our country um, from its enemies. And I think it's really important that we, on family level, focus on protecting each other protecting our communities um you know um all those good cops out there man tell them you appreciate them you know there's there's just it's very apparent now that apathetic uh, or apathy apathetic leaders you know create very unsafe situations so i guess this is just my little plug at the end um your your communities your your law enforcement officers um you know, uh, just support each other. You know, um, all you family protectors out there, don't uh, don't forget how important your job is. You could be the difference between um, somebody making it home and, and not, you know, in a bad situation. And and uh, so, yeah, my prayers are just for everyone listening to this uh, this podcast that you're safe, um, that you don't ever have to flip the switch. And this is just all uh, protocol for being prepared. That you never have to actually use it. Again, these are my thoughts on uh, four main keys to to surviving a street fight in a conceptual approach. And if you think I'm wrong, if you think I missed something, you know, great. I, I want to hear from you. Go ahead. Go on the Family Man Tactical uh, uh, website there, or um, I'm sorry, Facebook site. I'm I'm overhauling the the website right now, so I'm going to launch that soon, and then then we're going to have some some courses up there for you family protectors. But that's that's down the road a little bit. But uh, if you got a comment, please, we'd love to hear from you. Go to the uh, Facebook Family Man Tactical um, page, drop a comment uh, under under this um, podcast, right? I'll, I'll post it on there. You can drop a comment there or anywhere, really. Just let me know what you think. Try to keep it clean, right? Because I try to keep this stuff um, family appropriate and uh, let me know what you think. But in the meantime, I'm going to start traveling back home soon and uh, I wish you all a very good week, that uh, you stay protected and you look out for other people. So talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.